Like Marie said, I'm Bill Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you all for coming today um, on this Memorial Day weekend. Before we do anything else, I want to uh, acknowledge those people that, that have served in some capacity um, for our country. Uh, this is, I know it's vet, there's Veterans Day to acknowledge that, and Memorial Day is, is for those that have lost their lives in battle, but it's a chance for us to recognize anybody that has served for us and for our country. And so if anybody has served, would you stand up and, and, and so that we can recognize you as someone that has served for us? Thank you. Now, now wait, now wait, 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 wait. I want you to stay standing. I want you to stay standing because there's one other group of people that I also want to acknowledge today. There's another group of people that also sacrifice. Uh, when, when my dad was serving during the Vietnam War, my mom was at Sharp Army Depot, and she had three kids, my, my older brother and me and my twin brother. And so we know that the spouses of those people that are serving also sacrifice as well. And a lot of times they're not recognized as much, but they also have given up a lot of their time and a lot of their lives for our country too. So will all the spouses of anybody that has served also stand up? All right, thank you. Now, that, that gets me a little choked up. I said that, you know, my dad served, and so I've always, I've always really appreciated just anybody that has, has, uh, has served in, in any capacity. And, and, uh, and so that gets me choked up. But I got to admit to you today, really everything gets me choked up today. I'm going through a season. I'm going through a season where I am, I am tearing up over anything. You know, my daughter watches The Bachelor, and I'm sitting there watching with her, and I'm tearing up. But I don't know if I'm tearing up because of what I'm watching or if I'm tearing up because she's watching it, but I'm still tearing up on it. I'm, I'm tearing up over commercials right now, any commercial that comes on. You know, I always tear up on Rocky Three or, or on Cinderella Man or Hoosiers. I'll, I'll tear up on those, but I'm tearing up on, like, rom-coms and those kinds of movies, too. I'm tearing up on anything right now. It's just a season that I'm going through. It's been a, it's been a hard season for me. I've got a, um, I, I, I told you a few weeks ago that, that when Jackie and I moved down here, moved away from family, that there were four people that kind of took us under their wing and in a lot of ways kind of became surrogate parents and surrogate grandparents for us and Jim and Kathy Rabin and Don and Dottie Bachman. I told you that Dottie was dying a few weeks ago and that, and that she did pass away. And, and, uh, and so that was a big loss, a big loss. It just kind of, we really felt that. But now we're, we're dealing with Jim. He's, he's, a, he's the mentor in my life that I've had for 18 years where I have been meeting with him on a monthly basis and on a weekly basis. And he has spoken so much words of wisdom in my life. And now he's got this acute leukemia. And, and so he's, he's on the very end of, of, uh, of his life as well. And so, um, so I've been visiting him on a regular basis at his house. He's getting to the point where he's, he just doesn't have much energy because of his, li- his white blood cells. He doesn't, he doesn't have the energy to stand up for a long periods of time. And so we're just going, I'm going over there spending time in his room and, and, uh, and, and chatting with him right there in his home. And, um, and then I get back in my car and I just cry on the way home because I just, I just go, this is a, a man that has, has, uh, has just left such an enormous mark on my life in a lot of ways on yours because any of the wisdom I get, uh, give, it's either from Jackie or from Jim. So, um, so, so that's been a difficult one for me. So I'm tearing up from that. But on top of those things, then I've got my daughters. 
I've got Ella who comes home for one week from Whitworth and then takes off just yesterday to Scotland for the entire summer. And then she's going right back to Whitworth again. So we're not going to see her again until like Christmas. And I'm driving her to the airport yesterday. And I said, Ella, are you scared? Because she's going to this remote northern part of Scotland. And, and I said, are you scared? And she said, yeah. And she started tearing up. You know, and if your daughter's tearing up, you start tearing up. I'm going, oh, William Wallace protects her when he's over there. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think he's alive anymore. But, uh, but you know, she, so she's, you know, she's tearing up. I'm crying. I'm coming home from the airport, just getting online going, I got to find a ticket, a ticket for $300 or less to get to Scotland to go hang out with her. You know, so, so you know, and then my, my middle daughter, Maggie, she just graduated from high school and, and I know for any of you guys with little kids, pomp and circumstance doesn't mean anything to you. But for any, any of us that have gone through kids graduating from high school, pomp and circumstance, when you hear that at graduation, all that means is you fully lost your kid for the rest of your life, you know, and they're gone. And they don't care about you anymore. And so you know that. It's not true, but you feel it. And so, so I'm crying there. I'm thinking of Mama Mia and slipping through my fingers all the time. And I'm crying to it all. And then there's Abby. Abby's my eighth grader that just went through her continuation to get into high school. And I'm thinking, our little one is now in high school this next year. And so, so, and we've had kids at, at El Dorado K-8 for 16 years. We've had kids in El Dorado K-8. So we have had to listen. If any of you parents are at El Dorado K-8, you know what we've had to listen to for 16 years. We are El Dorado. We dare to soar. They've got this song. Just like an eagle, we dare to soar. I mean, it's that. I mean, I'm, I'm not even, I'm, I'm, I'm singing really well with that. It, it, we're singing that, and I've been singing that for 16 years going, here we go again, we got to sing this song. This time I'm crying while I'm singing it, you know. If you're searching for El Dorado. <laughs> I don't even know the rest of the words, and I'm crying to it because it's the last time I'm going to sing that song. I'm telling you, I'm tearing up over everything right now. So Today, if I tear up during this sermon, you know, it's I'm just a mess. You know, I'll read some scripture on circumcision and I'll start bawling up here. So, you know, it's just, it's just what will happen. So just get ready for that this morning, okay? Um, we're going to continue this series, Dynamite. We're talking about the stories Jesus would tell. They were called parables. And he'd walk into a room and he'd share a parable with a, with a group of people. And it would just, it would shock them. It would just go, wow, what is he talking about? Sometimes it, they just, that is, it's profound. Sometimes they're going, I didn't get it at all. But he'd come in and he'd share these stories that would radically change the way people viewed what's the, the steps in their life. And so we're talking through those things. We got one more to talk about today before we move on to the new series next week. So let's pray together. We'll get into this. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that this is a day that you have made. And you, you say to us to rejoice and be glad in it no matter what. So even with the hardest things that are going on in people's lives, even with tears that are around, we pray that today we would rejoice because you are present. And we pray that as we look at your scripture, they would draw us closer to your presence. And maybe for some of us to draw close to your presence for the very first time. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going through these parables. Now, Jesus told them so that people might understand a little bit more. Jesus told them so maybe you would take the then and there into the here and now to lay some concrete on the, on the theology. He would tell these stories, and he would use very simple illustrations or things that people really got to help them to understand it. 
Now, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 13, and what's really interesting about this point in Jesus' ministry is up till this point, Jesus has been speaking in the synagogues primarily. He's also been in other places, but mostly in the synagogues. And the Jewish people that were going to church were listening to it, and they were intrigued by it, and they were following, they were listening and, and taking steps towards Jesus. But some of the Jewish leaders were threatened by it. And so those, some of the leaders were saying, man, this is, this, is, this is threatening our way of life. This is threatening what we know is truth. And so they were pushing against him, and they were looking for ways to, to trap Jesus in what he was, gonna say, in what he was saying. So, so, what, so they, they look at it, and they go, okay, so we went from the synagogues to the seashore. So we went from the, speaking in the churches to speaking out in the open air near the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and his crowd of people expanded then. His crowd of people went from just those people that were going to church to a ton of people. People that were going to church and people that weren't. And so was this, this, his range of people grew. And so it makes sense that at this point, he starts speaking more in parables. Because now he's going, I, I need to make sure that you all get this. And so I'm going to put it in stories that hopefully you will understand. And so he does this. So he starts in, in, in chapter 13, the, the one that we're looking at. He, he says, now look, he says, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. Now see right there, he's using, he's, he's using an illustration that tons of people would know. This was an agricultural community. Tons of people would know this. Farm, there, were, there had to be tons of farmers in there, and they're just elbowing each other going, hey, he's talking about something that we do. He's, he's talking about throwing seeds out there. We just did that yesterday. So, so they get it. It'd be, like, it'd be like if Jesus walked into an accountant's convention and said, hey, it's like balance sheets. And they're just going, hey, you know, you know. You know what we know? It's like he's going to talk to a bunch of moms. He says, man, it's like, it's like making that peanut butter and jelly sandwich for the 47th time for your kid at 6 a.m. And you're going, you know what I know? It's like, it's like, it's like a, a, talking to a, a retired guy, and he's got that two-foot putt to win the $2 Nassau. You know, and he's, you, you golfers would know that. And, he's like, and you know that pressure. And he's like, wow, he knows? He knows that? And so that's what the part of the beauty of these parables is he's talking about things that these guys, they flat knew it. Whether you were a farmer or not, everyone was growing stuff. And everyone could relate to him saying it's a farmer planting seeds. So he's got them right off the bat. And he says this. He says, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his fields, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And then he says his famous line, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. He's basically saying, listen to this, you guys. You're going to need to know this. Now, then there's a little break in there where the disciples ask a couple of questions. And he answers a couple of those questions. Then he comes back and he then explains this parable. Sometimes he explained the parables. Sometimes he didn't. So this time he went to explain this parable and he said this, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receives it with joy. 
But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems that are persecuted for believing God's word. We see that all the time. I saw it a lot when I was doing college ministry all of those years. You know, you get that kind of emotional high and, and, and you initially have this great joy. But then as the, if, the, if the seeds don't, if those roots don't go down deep, then it just remains on the surface. And then if anything happens, it's like my, I tank my faith. Okay, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. So the the tree actually grows, but no fruit's produced from it. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. Okay. Well, I'm going, to pu- I'm going to put that parable aside for just a second, okay? I'm just going to set that right here because I want to go back to what happened in between. When and he said the parable and then before he explained the parable, the disciples come to him and they ask him a question. Now, if you were standing there, before they came up to that question, if you were standing there, what were the question? What question would you be asking? You'd probably be asking, you know, you know wh- who's the farmer? What are the seeds? Tell me more about this soil. You know, you'd be asking questions about that parable. But one of the disciples grew the short end of the straw. I think that's the, the saying, short end of the straw. He drew, he drew the short one, and he had to go up to him, and he asked this odd question, this one. Why do you tell stories? That's a weird question to ask Jesus. He's basically saying, I don't, I don't know if I, I like the, your style of speaking. <laughs> Why are you telling stories? I don't get that. Now listen to what Jesus says in response. He replied, He says, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. He says, you see me every day. You know how this works. You know what's going on here. You've, you've, I've been talking to you about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming through my life, through my death, through my resurrection. You're seeing it and you're getting, you're, 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 you're getting it every single day from me. But he says, not everybody has this gift, this insight. It, has, it hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. Whenever you have a ready heart to hear it, whenever you have a ready heart to grab hold of God's presence in your life, whenever you have a ready heart to respond, man, that's... That the insights and understanding flows freely. Some of you might know somebody where you just go, man, it just flows freely out of them. The insight into what this means to really grab hold of the presence of God in our life. But he says this, if there's no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. I can't tell you how many times I went to church where I was, had, there was, I just... My heart wasn't even close to being ready to receive. And so it just, you, you might hear something that disappears. You might read something in Scripture and it just disappears. You might hear something from a friend and it just disappears. So we're ready. But he says this, that's why I tell stories. I tell stories to create readiness, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. I tell stories to nudge the people towards receptive insight. I tell, people, tell stories to nudge them. To nudge them towards being receptive. Towards being receptive to my presence. Towards, towards being receptive to my love. Towards being receptive to my commands. 
I nudge people towards that as I tell these stories. I nudge them to receive it. I nudge them to react to it. And I nudge them to respond to it. I'm nudging them towards that. So, so he's, and I love it. He's not, he's not shoving us. Not, he's just nudging us towards that. And I love it because he's saying, I, I tell these stories. Now, sometimes it's the content of those stories that nudge us. And so we listen to those stories and we go, wow, that's powerful. I'm going to respond. But sometimes it's just, we don't get it at all. Sometimes they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. But it was just that they, he, they, they knew that he got them. It's just that he's, you could sit there and go, you get me. I have no idea what you said, but you get me. And that in itself is enough to nudge you towards receiving. Just, just by the fact that you, you can go, the Son of God gets me. See, that, that, I want to tell you a little bit more of, of, of my story. Because when we were doing this, when Jim and I talked about doing this parable series, um, there's one parable, the parable that actually is told right after this one in, in Matthew chapter 13, that actually was the beginning for me. And it nudged me towards receiving God's presence in my life as, as Jesus continued to pursue me. So I'm going to tell a little bit of my story this morning. Some of you might have heard it. Some of you that grew up in, in the college ministry that I did, you've heard it my story many times. But I want to tell a little bit more of, of my story this morning. You know, I told you I was, I was born in Stockton, California in a, in a in Sharp Army Depot. And then we moved to Spokane, Washington. And, and I have an older brother, Mike, and a twin brother, John, and a younger brother, Tom. So there's the four of us and, with my mom and my dad. And, um, and, and so we, we grew up in Spokane. Now I have to be careful right here, okay? Because my mom listens to my talks online, okay? And she always says that I fabricate all the stories of, of Spokane. She's going, that's not true. You guys, you, it wasn't that bad. And so she'll always get on the phone and say, what are you talking about? She's especially offended by my story about Easter. And because if any of you guys were here at Easter, I talked about Easter baskets and how you all have these great chocolate Easter baskets. And all we ever got was a dozen hard-boiled eggs that we each got three of that we had to go find. That was all I ever got. That's all we got. And mom's saying, that's not true. And so I have to, I have to acknowledge she's right. I fabricated that story a little bit on Easter. There wasn't very many people here, so it was okay for me to do that. I, I, let, me, let me at least set the record straight on that one. She's right. There was chocolate on Easter for us. I think they bought one Reese's peanut butter cup package. My dad got one of the cups because he's the dad. And the rest of us, they cut it into quarters. So we each had a piece of the chocolate. So we each got a little piece of Reese's too. So we did have some chocolate on Easter. My mom's here today, which is odd. So I can, I can say that. And, and she, now, see, mom, I'm, I've clarified it all for you. Um, we... We, so we, we, grew, we grew up, and we grew up going to church. We grew up growing up going to the Catholic church, okay? And I was an altar boy. My twin brother was an altar boy. We wore those little white robes, and, and, uh, and, and we went to church. But it didn't stick with me. It, it wasn't sticky. It, I would have called it m my religion. Whenever you hear, whenever you come here to Ascent and you hear Jim and I talk about religion, religion versus relationship, if it's just something that you're going through the motions, you're just coming here going through the motions, it's just something you have to do. Well, that's religion. And Jesus came and, came and spoke to lots of people about, let's turn religion into relationship. Because that's what I want is this relationship with you. But for me, growing up in the, in the church, and it's nothing, it's, it's nothing against the Catholic church. There's lots of great people that have loving relationships with Jesus in the Catholic church. But for me, it was not sticking. 
It was just a religion. And so I'd memorize everything I had to memorize. You know, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all the seen and unseen, and uh, eternally be God and the Father, God from God, life from light. You just, you just memorize it. And I memorized it. And it was cool that I could say it, and my friend had to look up on the screen. You know, that was, that's what we did. And then we got communion, and we got to go watch a football game. It was that, 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 was, that was church. And, and, and so, so that, it, was, it, was, it was a religion. Then I went to the University of Washington, and, and I was a business major. I wanted to make a million dollars on Wall Street. That's all I did. I never went to church or anything in college. And then uh, at the end of my sophomore year, my twin brother, John, calls me and says, Bill, you got to go to the inn, this college ministry. you got to check it out. He says, there's a bunch of good-looking girls there. And, and that's enough for me. That was enough. You know, I said, okay, I'll go. And I went, and he was right. And I was very intrigued by the whole thing. And they made an announcement let's, for people to go to a service project to Mexico, to go down there and to build houses in Mexico. And so I decided I'm going to do that. I'm going to go build some houses in Mexico with this group of 26 other people. So we went down to Mexico. Now, when we, we got down there, uh, the first night, I'm laying in my hammock. I get mosquito. I got 120 mosquito bites on my back. We counted them. There's 120 of them. The ne- and I, I ate some huevos rancheros and got diarrhea for the rest of the time. I lost 15 pounds in 10 days. Awesome diet. And so I, so I you know, so that was, that, was, that, that was Mexico. But on the second day, I get up, and Jimmy Allen was an intern there, just a post-college guy. And he says, everyone grab your Bible. Let's, we're going to go talk. And I had to go, I grabbed my Bible. So I grabbed this one, this little gray Bible that my mom got me a week before. She got me this little Bible. And, and so we're sitting there it, the week before, before I left. She gives me the Bible. Then we go outside and we're just chatting about Mexico, what's coming up with Mexico. And she's weeding in her yard. And we've got this beautiful garden out there. And in the front, there's about 200 acres of wheat, okay? Well, sometimes the wheat, the seed blows over and is planted in our, in our yard too. Well, we're sitting there. My mom is weeding and I'm chatting with her. Most of the time I did all the weeding and she just did the chatting. But this time she was weeding. Uh, she'll talk to me about that one later. Um, she, but she, she's weeding and she leaves the wheat and the weed. She leaves this patch of weeds and wheat just sitting there. And I said, Mom, why aren't you weeding that? And she said, I don't know. Just felt like leaving it. And I thought, that's strange. My mom always weeded everything in her beds. And she, she left the weeds and the wheat sitting there. Well, we get that second day. Jimmy brings us out there. And I bring my Bible out. And I open it up. And I have no idea what I'm doing. And he says, turn it to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going, where in the world's Matthew? You know, so I look on my next door neighbor. And she's got, she's got, she's three quarters of the way through the Bible. So I go three quarters of the way. And I find Matthew. I'm going, and then there's numbers, and I'm going, oh, yeah, there's Matthew 13. And then, oh, yeah, there's little numbers in there, too. And I found it. And it was a parable of weeds and wheat. And in this parable, as, as, as I'm reading through it, the person says, hey, should I, should I weed the weeds and the wheat? And the farmer says, no, let's wait. Let's let that sit there. And at the end, we'll, 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 I'll, I'll do it myself. And I'm sitting there reading this. And, and it's jumping out of the page at me. And I'm going, I know what he's talking about. I saw it last week. I have no idea what the parable's about, I, you know. But, but man, I could picture it. Man, I could see that. I felt like, gosh, this is, I, I know this. I know what he's describing here. And that was the beginning of Jesus nudging me towards receptivity nudging me towards receiving that led to a reaction 
that led to a response. He was nudging me forward. Now, now, any one of us could call that uh, just a, 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 it's chance. Any one of us could say that. Oh, that's, that, it just, it, it, it just happened. Any one of us can do that. We can do that at anything in our faith. Anytime that anything happens where you get an answered prayer, anytime that anything happens where you see where God's at work, you can easily look at it and say, that was just chance. That just happened to happen. That wasn't God. But the thing you can't deny is what's going on on the inside. Something's churning up on the inside, and you're going, I don't know how to describe that part. And that's the Holy Spirit at work. And God is at work, and he's nudging you, and you're going, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know how to explain this. I don't even want to explain this. But, but something's happening. And something was happening on me, and every single day I was opening that Bible again, I would read another parable, and I'd go, man, God's at work. I didn't know it. But he was. And so in the end, on that last day, I'm sitting around our group of people, and everyone's asking, you know, what was, this, what was this week like for you? And for me, I said, you know what? I think I became a Christian this week. That's what I said. I said, I think I became one. Because I didn't, I didn't even know how to put words to it. But God was at work. And he was churning up something on the inside. In the middle of the mosquitoes and the diary and everything, he was churning up something in me. And it stuck with me. And so I came back and that was the beginning for me of, of, of receiving what God has given to me. Now, now that continues to happen then. And it continues to happen for us. And, and God every day now is still coming after us. And he's still trying to, to, to speak to us. He's still trying to nudge us towards receiving. And I think there's a reason why this passage is this this explanation is in between these two things. This this the the, the parable of the sower and the explanation of the sower. There's a reason why that's in between there because Jesus is saying, "Look, you can you 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 I'm I'm nudging you forward towards receiving, but it still has to be received." And he's going, "What kind of ground is that seed landing on?" As I nudge you forward. What kind of ground is it landing on? And he first says, there's the hard ground. That's the ground that people are walking on. He says, there's that kind of ground. And he says, he says that ground, the seed gets there and it just blows away. That's, that's, that's us just going, you know what? It is just all chance. It's all chance. It's all, it's, it's all just, I don't know, God might be work, might not. Those are people that are walking along and they're just going, no, this is all just religion. It's all what I just have to do. I have to do this. And so it's landing on hard, hard ground. And Jesus is saying, you know what, I'm going to keep throwing this seed out there. And one of these days, that, that soil is going to be churned up enough that the seed will start to take root. So I'm going to keep doing that. And we can be stubborn. That's our stubborn path. We can keep being stubborn and you can keep pushing away, but he's going to keep throwing it out there until that seed, until that soil is churned up a little bit. Then he goes to the other kinds of, of dirts and he's, he's saying, man, there's dirt that is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's dirt and then there's this limestone underneath it. It's the rock underneath it. And they said the, 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 the roots can't get down 
beyond the rock, and so they just stay on the surface, and so you hear it, and you just keep it on the surface. Now, now we have these bushes in our front yard. The scary thing about these two, the, the next two that he talks about, the, the, the rocks in the ground, and, the, and then the, um, the, the weeds that are in the ground, the scary thing about those is that the plants still grow. The tree still grows, and you feel like you're doing okay, but the roots aren't taking root. And so it just presents itself as okay, but it's not thriving. In our front yard, at our house, check, check this out. We've got these really beautiful bushes. See that really beautiful bush? <laughs> these things are ugly. They're, 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 die, they're dead. They've been dying and dead for years and years. The HOA, we've been able to avoid the HOA in Rock Creek because we thought for sure we'd get massive uh, fines for these. We finally decided we're going to dig these out. Now, I'm the one on the left and my son's the one on the right. I know that we look exactly the same, but... Um, that we're, we're trying to dig these out. And you guys, I mean, we are digging in. Have you dug in the Rock Creek clay? Have you dug in the Rock Creek rocks? It's impossible. It takes all day to barely get down. And those roots are not going deep. They're going out all over the place. And they're just, they're spreading out. And we're trying to chop them all off to get these stupid dead bushes out of this, out of our front yard. Check it out. This is our video we've got at the end of it. Now, don't tell me I should have tied a rope to it, to my car. I did that, and it snapped the rope, so that didn't help. (laughs) The thing was still sitting there because they had one massive root that was still right there on the surface. We called it the aorta of the tree. You know, it was running right through there. We had to chop that one off, too. But they were all still on the surface. I mean, look at this ground. Look at We didn't dig deep. That thing just came right out, and we finally cut those last roots off. Those roots didn't have anywhere to go. Because it was this type of soil, it was, it was, it was this clay that, I mean, I'm telling you, you could, it's, it's like Play-Doh. I mean, you can make, I could, should chuck this to somebody. Nah, I'm not going to do that. Don't raise your hand in the back. See, it's this stuff. I pulled some more out. It's, it's, look at it, it just kind of plops out. It's, you can't grow in it. The roots just stay on the surface. How many of us are just keeping it on the surface? We say, that's good enough. I don't want it to go any deeper. If it goes any deeper, then I got to do something. I'll just keep it on the surface. Is it producing anything? No. But I'll just keep it on the surface and call it my church. Call it my faith. Now, he says there's that, and he said then there's the ones where there's the weeds. I went out and weeded some stuff today. So now you got the weeds, and he's going, you plant in that, and the weeds choke it out. How many of you guys would describe your faith right now as feeling a little bit choked? It's so weird how Jesus writes this, and I feel like he's talking about, uh, about us right now in 2017. He's looking at us and he's going, man, you know what chokes out your faith? What chokes it out is that worry that you constantly have over something. That's weeds growing up in the, in the soil. And it will choke out that plant. And it will keep it from producing. 
He says that, 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 that massive quest for money that you've got, that's going to choke it out. I mean, he knows our issues. He knows we're in a world where we are worrying all the time. And he's saying that will choke out these roots. He says, but then there's this soil. And you can just picture him talking to his, his, his disciples, and he just pulls this out. You can picture him just reaching down on the ground and just going, there's good soil. There's soil that the roots will run deep in. There's soil that the roots won't have anything that will keep it from running deep. He's, he's using an illustration of something that takes time. It's running deep. It's running right down the soil. And the tree grows. And not only does it survive, but it thrives and it produces. You guys, on Friday we had a memorial service in here for a woman named Jane Bruneau that some of you know. This woman lived an unbelievable life. I mean, we, we got to celebrate her life and we got to walk through her life. You're just listening to all the things that she did. And you're just going, man, this woman would have been really, I said in the memorial, I said, I would have loved to have known Jane when she was 35. You know, they said, they said in, the, in the service, they said she loved to, to mow her lawn and then get, get, have a nice fat tire beer afterwards. And at the same time, she, we're, we're re, we probably read 40 passages of Scripture in this memorial because she listed off all of her favorite passages, and we read them all in the service. And it's just, I just go, she had a beer in one hand and a Bible in the other, and she, just, she lived her life so filled with joy. She lived her life pouring it out on other people. She lived her life and, and said, I, I'm, I'm going to take everything I can out of this life. And at the same time, she, she looked at Scripture and she said, and God's going to be the light unto my path as I do this whole thing. And I'm looking at him going, man, her tree was so firmly planted into, the, into that soil. Those roots were running deep into that soil. The weeds of worry weren't there. She had it tough. She had cancer when she was at 45. She had four different bouts with cancer. She had, she, her husband divorced her. And she, so she went through a lot. But instead of those things being the thing that would destroy her faith, her faith just went deeper, deeper into that soil. And we're all, we were all fully inspired by it in the service. And afterwards, I'm sitting there going, man, I want that life. I want to make sure when, when, I'm, when, I, when I'm taking my last breath, I want to make sure that the roots have run deep into that soil. I don't want the weeds to be the thing that define my life. I want the, the production of the tree to define my life. I don't want it to be those weeds. But I know that the weeds do. And I know that it, my faith gets choked out by them. In fact, just this last week, I'm, I go over to Jim's house, to Jim Raven's house, and he's just laying on his bed. He's got his coat on. He's got his jeans on. And he's just laying in bed because he, he doesn't have enough energy to stand up. And, and I sit down next to the bed with him, and I just said, Jim, I said, man, I'm not sleeping at night again. And he says, what's going on? And I said, I'm, I'm worrying about my daughter's. I'm worried about Ella in Scotland. I'm worried about Maggie going to CU. Who in the world wouldn't worry about that? Your freshman year at CU. You know, I, I love CU and I worked there for a long time, but there's a lot to worry about. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about Abby heading into high school. Can't we just keep her in eighth grade for a few more years? That would kind of stunt her social life, but let's just do that. You know, so I'm telling him I'm worried about these things. I got a $2.8 million piece of land now, you know. 
And so I just, I'm sitting there in this chair with him and saying, I'm worried and I'm exhausted, Jim. I'm exhausted. And I said, in fact, and I, I no joke, this is what I did. I said, I said, Jim, would you just scooch over? And he, and he scooched over in his bed, and I went and laid down on his bed right next to him. Right where Kathy lays, I'm laying down there, and I'm just looking up at the ceiling, you know. And his daughter comes in and says, what are you guys doing? I said, Becky, we're taking a nap. Get out of here. You know, so I'm just laying there in bed with Jim, and I'm just going, Jim, and I'm worried. What's going to happen when I lose you? Because we've been very honest about him and dying. And I said, what's going to happen when I lose you speaking into my life? And he just said, he's just laying there staring at the ceiling. And he said, Bill, he said, some of these weeds, he said, some of those are in your pay grade. You got to take care of them. And he said, some of those weeds are in my pay grade. And I'll help you take care of them. But he said, most of these weeds... He says, they're in God's pay grade. And he said, not to over-spiritualize it, but he said, maybe it's time to spiritualize it. He said, maybe it's time to recognize what's going on with you and your daughter going off to Scotland. And maybe it's time for you to start entering into a journey with the Lord in that. Not just surrender it, but enter into the journey with the Lord in that and see what the Lord is, is telling you around your daughter growing up. And he says, maybe it's time to recognize God in this. He said, because sleeping on the floor in the bathroom, which is what I do when I get too worried, he says, that's insane. <laughs> you got to love a man that's going to say that something that clearly to you. And he said, it's time to maybe surrender that one up. It's time for maybe for you to make this a little bit more spiritual in your life. And I got up and I walked out and I got out to my car and I drove in full tears. Because that man has, um, because that man has weeded for me for 18 years. And he has, he has pulled rocks out for me for 18 years. And he has allowed me, a very stubborn guy, a guy that will easily say it's just chance. A guy that will easily say that, that, that I'll go through the motions. And he has allowed my roots to go deep into soil where the tree can thrive. Jesus is coming to every one of us. And he is nudging us. He's nudging you towards receiving. Nudging you towards receiving that leads to a response. He's nudging you towards that every single day. But where is that? How is that being received? It might be time for us to take a very honest look. This isn't about guilt. This isn't about, oh, I feel guilty because I'm, I'm on rocky, it's on rocky soil. It's about Jesus offering up rich soil for the roots to grow deep. And he's saying, that's yours. You till that soil. You get that ready. I'll nudge it, and I'll keep nudging you. And I want you to respond. Will you respond today? And then will you respond again tomorrow? Father, we pray that you would, you would continue to nudge us. We pray that you would, would help us to 
to weed where we need to weed. I pray that you would provide the Jim Rabins in every person's life that will weed for us at times. That will, that will, that will show where the rocks are at at times. God, I pray that you would, would help us to recognize where we're choosing shallow. I pray that you'd help us to recognize where rocks are taken over. And I pray that you'd help us to recognize where we're just being stinking stubborn. And I pray, Lord, that ultimately that soil would be tilled, the seed would be planted, and it would run deep. And then in the end, we can look back at it all and know that the tree produced fruit and that others were blessed by it. God, we pray that that would happen for each one of us in our life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.